Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning with verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. And may God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and forevermore. Amen. It was the Little League Championship game. It was the kind of game that kids dream of. Maybe they'll hit the walk-off home run to bring their team the victory. Maybe they'll catch the fly ball for the last out, followed by the whole team storming the field to celebrate the win. Maybe they'll be the catcher behind home plate that snaps the last curve ball into their glove, and the umpire calls strike three, game over. But no one, no one dreams of being the pitcher on the mound when your team is up by two runs in the bottom of the last inning and you've lost your groove and suddenly the bases are loaded. There are two outs. You just have to get one more out for the win, for your team, for posterity, for this not to turn into a nightmare rather than a dream come true. All eyes are on you. And then you see the coach make the long, slow walk out to the mound. And worse, you see him calling in the shortstop, who is the backup pitcher, to meet you on the mound. The coach puts his hand out. You put the ball in his hand, and your head hangs low as you hand over the ball to the coach. The coach puts the ball into the backup pitcher's hand, but then the unexpected happens. We couldn't hear what the conversation was on the mound at the time, but we heard about it later. The shortstop, the pitcher's best buddy, put the ball back into the pitcher's hand, and he looked him in the eye and said, you've got this, one more out, you've got this. And by golly, he did. He threw two balls, but then three nasty strikes in a row for the win. 
and the team rushed to the field and the crowd went wild. Dreams come true. A few simple words, you've got this, from the mouth of an 11-year-old, no less. Well, think back over your life and consider the times that you may have doubted yourself or when someone doubted you, but then someone you loved or really cared for you said, you've got this. Maybe it was your piano teacher at your first recital when your knees were shaking and you weren't sure you could really face the audience who said, you've got this. Or maybe it was the first time you moved, moved away from home and you were feeling uncertain about whether or not you could actually live on your own. And it was your parents who gave you a hug, looked you in the eye and said, honey, you've got this. Or maybe you were the parent leaving that child to live on their own for the first time and you were the one not sure that you could do this and it was your spouse who walked you back to the car, wiped the tears from your cheeks and said, you've got this. Maybe it was a coach or a neighbor or a sibling. Maybe it was the friend who drove you to weeks of radiation and chemo who assured you over and over again, you've got this. And then who held you in your arms when you just didn't think you could and believed for you when you couldn't believe it yourself. But surely by now you're wondering what in the world does this have to do with this familiar story of Jesus being the good shepherd? Well, let's talk about the sheep first. Do you know how smart sheep are? Sheep can remember the face of 50 individual people or other animals for up to two years. And sheep like to be led. They're natural followers, but like most humans, they like to be led gently and calmly. Sheep are also very social animals. They don't like being secluded from the rest of the herd or the flock. And they experience a whole range of feelings, from fear and anger to despair, boredom, and even happiness. And maybe most intriguing, they establish friendships and look out for one another in times of need. And rams have even been found to form long-term relationships and intervene on behalf of weaker colleagues. They look out for each other, encouraging one another on their way, telling one another, you've got this. Well, Jesus, of course, is the perfect leader for the, a flock of smart, gentle, social animals. He leads them. He doesn't drive them. He understands they need each other. And so he goes out seeking other sheep to bring into the fold, that they might all be gathered together in one flock. To the stray, frightened sheep, surely he whispers to them, come along, you've got this. But the character in this story that I worry about is the hired hand. Did you hear that once he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and heads for the hills? We hear that the hired hand runs because he does not care for the sheep, but clearly only cares for his own safety. Well, I have to imagine that the hired hand never had anyone in his life who looked him in the eye, held him by the shoulders and said, buddy, you've got this. So I want the hired hand to stick around long enough to hear Jesus speak and to recognize his voice as the one who will lay down his life for him. I want the hired hand to stay and hear Jesus proclaim that he has come so that he may have life 
and have it abundantly. I so want the hired hand to hear those words so that the next time he'll trust that, yes, I've got this. I can be brave. I can take care of myself and the sheep. And honestly, I want that for the hired hand because, of course, I really want that for myself. I don't want to run when life gets scary. I want to stick around and hear what Jesus has to say to me. I want to open my heart wide and hear Jesus whispering in my ear or looking me in the eye or wrapping me in his compassionate embrace and saying, honey, you've got this. Whatever this is, you've got it. Because I am with you. I will lay down my life for you. I have come so that not only will you have life, but you will have it abundantly. And strengthened by Jesus' assurance, I want to be brave enough to find that scared hired hand and bring him back into the fold and maybe be the first person to tell him, you've got this. And to all of you, Jesus is saying, you've got this. He believes in you when you're not sure you believe in yourself, when your knees are shaking and you're not sure you can go on, when the bases are loaded and it's up to you to make the last out. And whether you make that last out or not, you've got this. When the cancer treatment is unbearable, when the relationship ends, when the kids leave home, you've got this. Jesus says so. You've got this because Jesus is right there by your side. And when it doesn't seem like you can find Jesus, the Good Shepherd will come and find you and whisper in your ear, You've got this. <laughs>